This is the Puck Junk Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Puck Junk Hockey Podcast. I'm Sal Barry and with me is Tim Parrish and Clemente Lisi. And today we are going to talk about uh, a whole bunch of things. We're going to talk about Patrick Waugh making his return to uh, coaching as an NHL head coach. We're going to talk about ESPN doing some funny business with archived NHL games, about some uh, NHL teams who might have their games end up on Amazon Prime streaming, uh, the upcoming All-Star game, because we know how much our listeners love it when we talk for an hour about the All-Star game, which we might not talk about it for an hour, but you know what? They're doing a three-day event about it, and I like the All-Star game, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about some card stuff. So, uh, Tim, how you doing today? Or this week, or whatever? Eh, not that great, but I'm probably going to lie at my press conference, so. It'll be good. Your press conference. What is this presser about? I was just um, I was signed by the Edmonton Oilers after being released by the Blackhawks for oh. nefarious acts. So Nefar- well, they're just they're just signing all of us now. Yes. So of course you're referring to Corey Perry signing for the league minimum. I believe seven seventy five. Is that league minimum? I didn't look it up. I, was I think I think it is. Maybe it's it seven fifty. Yeah, it seemed pretty low. So he can still play. Oh, no doubt. So it makes sense that he's going to sign with the team, and like uh, the NHL and like the Blackhawks said, he didn't do anything illegal. This was just like a a personal conduct thing. This wasn't like a crime thing. I guess that'd be called criminal. <laughs> Yeah. A crime the, thing. A Correct crime me, thing, Cal- yeah. Clemente, if, if, if that's if there's a better term for that. Uh, yeah, I don't know what that term is. Um, no, it, it was like a misconduct, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. just, you know what? We all think maybe he he got drunk and said something stupid, and 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 he said on the press conference he got help and he's been working through stuff for the last couple months and everything else. So I mean, we talked about it on the show before that once he was done with whatever he had to do. There's no doubt that any. I think we all agreed he was getting signed by somebody. So. Yeah, I thought it would take a little longer than this, but yeah, Oilers need help. So yeah, I guess so. So Clemente, how you been? Good. I spent most of the weekend watching a lot of football and a lot of hockey. So you know, back to work. But yeah, it was you know, when it's cold out, nothing else to do. Why not? Now you also went to a card show this past weekend. That's right. So yes, I, I think I said last week that I was trying to stay warm by not leaving the house, but I ventured outside and uh, I did go to the White Plains show here in uh, the New York area. Um, show was Friday with early VIP Saturday and then Sunday. I went on Sunday. It was a little bit of an experiment, even though I knew what would happen. So the show was from 10 to 4. And I think the first NFL playoff game was at 3 o'clock. So at one thirty. I thought there was a fire drill going on. There was like nobody there. All of a sudden, it was like around one something, the air was out of the room. And then around two o'clock, some dealers were packing up. 
Um, I wow. stayed up until a little after three because at that point I was trying to pick over the carcass here to see what I, what I can get. And there were some deals, you know, like on on wax. I didn't buy any individual cards, but I did buy some wax. But yeah, it was you know, it's it makes you think. I I get I get the having the shows in the winter because there's nothing to do. But I don't know about having shows during playoff season, like playoff time. Anyway, I mean, they had to, and then they had playoff games on Saturday. Even though I had heard that Saturday's attendance was very good, you have to wonder though. You know, I mean, I knew place would empty out and the dealers must have known that too so you end up getting a show where it's like six seven hours and you lose like the last three potentially in addition to that there was there was some hockey and there is a lot of hockey at white, at white plains no hockey signers unfortunately but but there was you know 400 tables so it's a big it's a big show but um there were a few a few hockey and a few boxes too which was good to go through some of those um singles and Young guns that you need for your for your sets, but um, but no. What did you end, end up, up picking up? What boxes? I ended up picking up um very little hockey. I picked up some baseball, uh, heritage high numbers. I bought a box of that, fifty five dollars. I thought it was really good, and the price has gone down since it came out a few weeks back. And then I got um, I bought. I, contrary to my New Year's resolution, I already broke it. I bought some artifacts blasters. Because they were fifteen dollars, I thought that's what. Good. Yeah, that that was pretty good, but I should have. Wow. Yeah, they were. No, really... I meant what you bought blasters of artifacts, not what they were only fifteen dollars. <laughs> yeah, no, I made that mistake, but I thought, you know what? If I'm not going to buy any singles here, I just want to rip something, and I did that Monday morning, and and I, I got nothing good. <laughs> so there you go. Shocker. I didn't, get I, I didn't get anything like. There's some parallels, but they're not numbered. It's all base, no autographs, nothing, no Bedard. I mean, nothing to write home about. So, but you know what? It was fun, and I don't want to come home empty-handed because I don't know about you guys, but if I go to a card show, I feel like I have to come back with something, Absolutely. even if it's just like one box of wax or like a couple of like dollar bid cards or something, you know. It was tough because like the last two hours, people were packing up, so I couldn't even go through their stuff. They were just they were leaving, so it was weird. I know I know that the national and some other bigger shows, the organizers frowned upon that, but it didn't seem like anybody was stopping anybody here. Uh, like I said, there was very little foot traffic by then. There were people at the show because the big draw was Cal Ripken Jr. He he was there, and I actually saw him. He walked past me, but uh, he doesn't do a lot of shows. Um, I'm told. And uh, for us who grew up in the 90s, Cal Ripken, I know it's not hockey, but iconic uh, baseball player. I heard in person he has a giant head. Okay, so you went there. Yeah. I was surprised at, like, in my brain, my image of him is is the guy you see on the cards. And when I saw him, I mean, I recognized him, but I couldn't believe how big he is. And not big, like, that big. Like, just like large like his head was large and i don't know why that is but that's what i've heard i heard his head is very big yeah not quite bobblehead size but like it's bigger than right and so i don't know what that is like if that's from you know as you get older you know i mean i'm already self-conscious about the size of my head so i would think when you get older though your head shrinks and your ears get bigger and your nose gets bigger I've heard about the ears and the nose, but the head yeah. hadn't 
So my fear is that if my head is growing as I get older, my body gets smaller, I'm in trouble. But anyway. I mean, Barry Bond's head got really big too, but that was because of the clear and the white. So, so, uh, so you just bought a couple blasters. Good, they were like fifteen dollars and not thirty dollars, because you really would have been upset. At but that's why I bought them because the price was so cheap. I thought, who cares? Like, if I get nothing, it's fifteen dollars. Like, I think they slashed the price because probably all weekend nobody bought these things and. You know, they're not, they're not, you know, as anybody who collects artifacts or buys artifacts knows, the blasters are not the way to go anyway. But I'm assuming they cost 25 to $30 at Target. Yeah, they're like twenty nine ninety nine if I remember yeah, correctly. That's, that's, that's crazy. Like, uh, that, that you don't want to do. I mean, I bought at a show maybe a year ago or something. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. I bought two Parkhurst blasters, and they were like 10 bucks each. And you know yeah, what? You got a bunch of packs. And they were fun to open, and I didn't get anything. Right. Like, because I didn't really expect anything. I got a lot of cards, but not enough for a base set. And then, you know what? I'll throw some of the short prints and inserts in my rummage boxes at shows, and I'll pull all the players that I like, like Patrick Kane. You know, I got a couple of his cards, and like JT Comfer, who I kind of casually collect because. He's from Northbrook, which is a Chicago suburb, and uh, and he's actually kicking ass on the wings this year. Not that I'm a Red Wings fan, just you know, I like to see players from the Chicago region do well, you know. And and but it wasn't like if I didn't buy him, it wouldn't have mattered. But it was just something fun to do. I mean, opening cards is fun, you know what I mean? I bought some old junk wax that I'm gonna sit down and open one day because they were so cheap, you know. And it's 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 a fun activity, um, so. Yeah, can't exactly. can't fault you there. It does suck though that like they start packing up two hours early. I get it. I've I've been at shows where like I want to start packing up because everybody else is packing up, and then you feel like kind of like a weenie, like you're standing there like hoping somebody buys something from you, you know. But like no one's at the show, so you're like, oh, what do I do? I'll just start packing up slowly. I mean, it was very light foot traffic, and it was almost like a contagion. Like one or two people packed, and and before you knew it people were just packing and I left at three o'clock. So with an hour left, I can only imagine what that looked like. That final hour must've been really dreadful, but um, that's why I left because I thought I couldn't even go through people's binders or bins because I, if they were packing up, I felt, I felt weird then. You know, it happens during football season, I guess. It's funny you bring up not wanting to walk away from a show without nothing because every show I go to, I have to get something. And there was a show, a small show that I did locally and not that I did, but I went there and I must've walked that floor eight, nine times. Couldn't find a single hockey card anywhere. And so I was looking at like one guy and he had like different sports related toys and stuff. And another guy had some other things and I'm like, I can't come out of here empty handed. I will like, I might explode or something. So I walked around flipping through boxes, just trying to find something. And I found, you know, the 90 score Bo Jackson with the shoulder pads and the yeah, that's a great card, black yeah. and white one. Yeah. It's like an icon- iconic card. Yeah. During COVID it shot up to like a hundred dollars for some well, stupid that's reason. A, that's a, that's a $1 but, card. I mean, whatever. Yeah. So this was, but this was before that. And I found it was in like a quarter box. So I gave the guy a quarter and I hightailed it out of there. Cause I'm like, at least I have something. 
and I didn't even want the card, but I was like, yeah, this card's cool. You can now have too many of these. So I don't have that card and I want it. So you can send it to me. I'll give you a quarter. I'll give you 50 cents. You could, you can make a hundred percent profit on it. You add 68 cents for the stamp. And then you, there you go. You're at a dollar. There you go. I'll send you, I'll PayPal you a dollar friends and family. And then you've made a profit. How about that? Uh, I got to check comps first. So yeah, I know. Let me do right? that. I'll do that. And then um, I mean, I'll get you back know, to you. I got to check yeah. card ladder. I guess going to a show and then coming home empty would be a sign of, Hey, I didn't see anything I wanted. And it doesn't mean you have to buy something, but I just thought, you know, as a collector, I feel guilty though. It like makes me feel guilty. I went to like the collector show and I walked away with nothing. So I feel that. Yeah. It's a weird thing. I don't know. It's funny that I brought that up because I didn't know you guys felt the same way. Um, And maybe people in general feel that way. I don't know, but I feel like you have to leave with something. Yeah, I'm sure it's some kind of borderline psychotic behavior, but whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Cool with it. It a, look, there's a doctor listening. You know, yeah. feedback is appreciated. I don't buy from every dealer, obviously, when I go to a show, but I do feel like I need to pay it forward a little bit. You know, it's I see it as kind of like stimulating the economy, so right. to speak, the card economy. So, like, even if, like, you know, this is why I don't, I don't stress too much about, like, especially, like, cheap cards. You know what I mean? Like, that's a buck or two. I'm not gonna really. Oh, I can get that for fifty cents on EPAC. You know what I mean? Like, like I mean, perfect example when we were at the um, the expo, and I was trying to build a set of the twenty three twenty four Upper Deck Series One portraits where they're like paintings where they look like Renaissance people. You know, oh, yeah. like Alex Ovechkin and like the like French military or maybe Russian military uniform or Napoleon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Right. And Connor McDavid with like the King's crown and, and dressed like a King and stuff like that. So like I was picking those up from like dealers and some of them were just like, yeah, 50 cents each. Some were like, well, I want $2 for this one and 50 cents for you. I, I didn't care. I just was like, you know what? I want to buy the set. Yes. I know when they hit EPAC, I'm going to get them all for 27 cents, but you know what? Is it really going to kill me if I spend 50 cents or maybe a dollar well, here or there? Yeah. Not the, other really. is that, the other thing too is that you're not flying from Chicago to Toronto to not buy anything at the expo like that, that, that would be crazy. I mean, I, at the national this last year, I, the first day I bought nothing, but I was there for the whole show. So I thought there's plenty of time to, you know, let this, let me just absorb the place, take it in when it's a really big show, when it's a regional show or like Tim said, a really small show, you could, you know, I, I also met some friends there. I met my friend, Dan and his wife, Suze, you guys know her. Um, and we hung out and we talked for a few hours. And so I, go, I also go for the social socializing. You know, that's a good big part of the show, too. And so that was a big part of it, too, just to see people and hang out and talk and, and then whatever. It's different, though, if you know you're going to be there for three days, if it's a three day show. Yeah, exactly. Then you, you, can, you plan it out. Like first day, I'm right. just going to walk around and scope yeah. it out. Next day, I'm going to remember where I went to these certain tables. I'm going to make a couple deals here and there. Right. And then the last day you pick up the scraps, but yes. yeah, the socialization thing for me, like I, I go to the Chicago shows. I see you guys there. Yeah. I mean, That's Sal, awesome. you remember there used to be times we'd meet five, six different people there. We'd trade cards. We'd sit down chat for a while and all kinds of stuff. It's kind of like, I don't know. It, it's like wavered away from that kind of, and right. not the, not the, I mean, you guys are fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with it. Not that I want to replace you or anything. 
No, you just want to so add, cool. just add to the people that we, we can add more to the mix. Yeah, Plenty I agree. It was fun when we have like our little clique that would get together and, and trade cards and stuff. Yeah. So speaking of trading cards, so Upper Deck sent an announcement, which made me shrug. And Tim was like, no, this is a big deal. Let me explain why. And I'm going to have you. This means something. This, you're going to have you. You're going to explain it again. And this time we're recording it so that you could just explain it to the audience. So the gist of it is Upper Deck extended their agreement with the NHL Alumni Association to make trading cards featuring retired NHL players. This will include authentic digital collectibles, you know, because they don't call them NFTs. So they call them, uh, you know, ADCs, I guess, authentic digital collectibles. So I'm like, okay, great. They can make cards of retired players. So what? They've been doing it all along not like the other companies are really beating down the doors to make sets of retired players, you know, like a, a Parkhurst champions or something like that. So I'm just like, all right, that's cool. It seems like kind of like a non-announcement announcement, but uh, Tim, you, you have some conspiracy theory about this. I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory or not, but I'm just kind of thinking long-term on this and you and I talked about it, but I can repeat it here, you know, and of course, this could be my stoner negativity, and I hope this is uh, surely not the case. But I feel like this is one of those writing on the wall type announcements, you know, to try to save face and keep a brand afloat. Because think about it. Fanatics has gone on and bought everything. You know, they own it all. If it's not if it's not Upper Deck and it's not hockey or some entertainment brands that they still have, I mean, they've pretty, pretty much scraped it all up. So... You know, are there plenty of top skate designs that I'd love to see on real hockey product? Absolutely. But everything that we see that Fanatics has touched so far, it almost seems like they've bungled it and they're cheapening the experience. I don't like that. You know, if you look at this going forward, you know, I'd much rather have Upper Deck designing product that have has alumni on it and players from the past than something that Tops just is phoning in because they see no money in hockey. And they're only doing it because, well, that gives us all the licenses. You know, if Upper Deck eventually turns into something that's like Lee for President's Choice, I mean, so be it. But I brought up to you, if this was 10 years ago and the same announcement was made, I don't think anyone would bat an eye because there'd be nothing more to read into it. But Upper Deck makes hockey product. Those guys are hockey players, plain and simple. That's it. I think it's a way more complicated landscape in 2024 with trading cards. And I think this might mean a little more. I hope it doesn't, but I think it might. And it's more of a positioning thing to say that from a business standpoint, we need to make it so that we're not completely cut out of the market. So it's kind of a strategic placement. And again, yes, sure, this might be a conspiracy way of thinking at it. But I mean, think about it. I mean, it's only my opinion and it's speculation, but Upper Deck's previous long-term agreement with the NHL and the NHLPA is probably about to expire. I don't have evidence of that, but every time they say long-term, it's been five-ish years or five so. Five-ish years, yeah. Yeah. You know, with Fanatics throwing money around like a used car lot giveaway machine and already being the exclusive sponsor of all the NHL merchandise that comes out, Plus, like I already said, they already own a complete end-to-end trading card manufacturing empire. And they're 
big push to bring in all the youth and appealing to younger kids and all of this kind of stuff by getting all of the sponsorship and everything else. I mean, who knows? Like I said, I hope I'm wrong on this. And I hope this is nothing more than them just solidifying a deal going forward. But you had brought up before, what if Fanatics turns around and buys Upper Deck? I mean, assuming if they were even for sale, right? It'd be a pretty strategic move on their part because then they wouldn't have to separate or do anything differently to to kind of bring in that type of production into something that they're already doing with all the other sports. They could kind of keep it a separate, you know, separate entity. I mentioned Upper Deck's value is in the IP. It really yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. And I was going to say the only thing, I mean, I love hockey. To me, that's like me speaking is just a fanboy, just like looking at Upper Deck. Like if I was Fanatics and I was going to buy Upper Deck, it would be for the hockey license, but probably to a greater extent, the Marvel license, you know, like Spider-Man and Avengers and, you know, all the, all the Marvel characters. And I mean, Absolutely. yeah, they have other properties too, but I'm just saying, I mean, I don't really know AEW wrestling, so I don't know where that fits in on the hierarchy of wrestling. Like, is it subpart of WWE? Is it a, like, from a popularity under- standpoint, it's a lesser brand, right? But it does have a its fan base and it has a lot of people that follow it. So, right. Look, we were talking before about like the the sheer numbers of it. You know, Fanatics was valued at like thirty one billion dollars at the end of twenty twenty one, and Upper Deck. If you know they're not publicly traded, I don't believe. But if you pull up what their value is, it's about one hundred eighty five million. So I certainly don't think it's not feasible for them to, to pull out because think about it, upper deck used to be well over a $300 million company. If it's barely half of that now, that just tells you all the value is in those IPs, all of the brand names, the exclusive player licensing, the E platform, the entertainment licenses. That's what fanatics wants. They want all of that. So, you know, if they, if you already have the printing plant, you already have the design facilities, you already have the production department. All you need is the IP so you can make the product. So, again, I hope that's not the case. I hope I'm just making crap up. I want them to have alumni in the product. I also want the alumni to be wearing licensed gear in the pictures and the photos and everything else. So that's why I'm saying I think I think this was good for Upper Deck to do. I hope it's more of a we're just... You know, that license was expiring. We need to renew it. Then the NHL license expired. We're going to renew that one too. And then all of this conversation is for not. And we go about our merry way and don't have to worry about it. Look, I don't think it's much of a conspiracy theory. I I think that you're probably right. And also, they like to put alums in in the current products, right? And in addition to that, why leave anything on the floor? Because the Fanatics would gobble that up and then put out like a legend set. And now Upper Deck is competing with some other hockey release that people might gravitate towards because some people do miss some of the tops designs on hockey cards. Yeah, guys, so, imagine absolutely. if they made like another tops archives set. Right. Using like say 88, 89. And it was like a retro set of like, yeah, you know, exactly. 300 of the best NHLers to yeah, play in exactly. the 80s. Right. Like we'd all buy it. We would yeah. all freaking buy that in our i mean 88 89 i just use that because that was like my 
that's like my BCAD line. That's like where I started. That was ground zero for me with hockey card collecting. But hell, 84, 85, 71, 72. 79, 80, whatever. I mean, any you, any of them. Yeah. I mean, you, you pick it. Yeah, exactly. If, it's if, so if Fanatics got that alumni license and then, hey, they got the TOPS license. They can make TOPS cards of alumni. Maybe not Gretzky. Maybe Gretzky. Gretzky kind of has his own well, deal going. But Gretzky, yeah, they have, he has a deal with Upper Deck, but I think his deal is limited to autographs because I saw in the Alumni Association uh, announcement included Gretzky and Wah's name, even though they've had relationships with Upper Deck exclusively. So I think as a group, and they have Yeiserman and everything else, so they they had they probably as a group sign this legal document. So I mean, look. You know, if I'm up for deck, like Tim said, just lock it up. Like, it's probably not going to cost a fortune. It's good for, you know, future hockey products. And it eliminates exactly what we all thought of immediately, which is if you're tops or you're fanatics, you're thinking, gee, like a retro set or whatever. I mean, they can do whatever whatever they want with it. You know, kudos to upper deck for probably having the foresight to see it. And also upper deck knows that. They don't want to get into any any kind of competition with fanatics, not because of anything else, because look at Panini. They're all in fights all the time, legal battles. Once they start sniffing around, that's, that's the beauty of hockey too. The hockey hobby is that it seems like fanatics is not really interested. They're not sniffing around. We're not at the whims of whatever's happening. I mean, everyone I'm sure has been reading about this Tom Brady card that fanatics put out and Tom Brady's all in now with fanatics and, and all that. And they re-signed LeBron James. And if you're fanatics, like you said, they're going to be doing the, the merchandising and the, uh, the team jerseys and everything else. You don't think they want the Canadian market. I mean, why would they leave that, you know, untouched? They're, they're thinking about it, but they know that they, they don't have a, a foot on that, a foothold on it. So kudos up for deck for, being smart and doing the obvious. It's funny you said the Tom Brady card. I was going to say, you mean you mean the Darren Fletcher card with Tom Brady's head on it? Yeah, but people, yeah, exactly. It's They did a whole head and shoulders thing on that thing. But anyway, regardless, it doesn't matter. I mean, they they can do it, and people go crazy for stuff like that, you know, in this parallel universe where he plays for the Expos or whatever. And then... Look, they have the ability to do the stickers. They have the ability to do the Tops Now stuff. Exactly. You guys probably don't. I know, Sal, you don't do skate anymore. I don't know if you ever did, Clemente, but, no. you know, top skate. What I like about it, it's it's dumb and it wastes time and stuff like that. But the designs of some of the cards are really cool. And it makes you think, wow, this would be awesome if this was actually a real card. And if you go and look at some of the the IP of the brands that they can actually put out, I mean, obviously the big one would be Topps Chrome. We'd go back and have Topps Chrome. But I'm sure they'd roll out Gold Label, and I'm sure they'd roll out like Finest, and you'd get Tier One, and you'd get you could do Heritage uh, artifacts, yeah, uh, Inception, uh, or any of these big ones. So you you would now have stuff to compete with some of the higher end, you know, upper deck stuff. Not that I necessarily want that, but some of those designs are actually kind of cool, and they would look cool. And they've started doing an alumni thing with some of the skate releases where they'll be additional cards that are thrown in that are less popular but uh or not less popular but less prevalent and they'll have like alumni players on them and they use retro designs so i think this year's was like the all-stars 
were retro all-stars and it used like a 2000 i think it was 99 2000 tops design for the all-stars or maybe the 2000 2001 design it's one of those gray borders or blue borders gray, they're the they're the gray border ones. i think that's 98 99 on the app they make a movable card so like if you move your phone mm-hmm. they like shine like they're almost like chrome so one thing i wanted to throw out really quick is that fanatics actually is launching this line of autograph jerseys it's called 2324 fanatics under wraps nhl jerseys oh yeah i saw that and so basically you get one autographed nhl jersey in every box and um i don't know much about it they did provide a checklist i don't want to read the whole thing because it's a long freaking checklist pretty much all the stars this sounds like the stuff Upper Deck already does and the stuff that David Adams does, right? Right. There's like different subsets. Not that you're going to collect all however many of these jerseys, but under Hall of Fame, there's Bobby Orr, Brian Leach, Yarmir Yager, Martin Broder, and Wayne Gretzky. So, I mean, right there you have like five amazing players and you have Gretzky, you know what I mean? Or four amazing players and Gretzky or whatever, right? So what I don't understand is that uh, Upper Deck does that Upper Deck Authenticated, right? And you could buy like a Wayne Gretzky signed Oilers jersey for like, I don't know, $5,000 or $9,000 or whatever ridiculous amount they sell it for. But here I could buy this, um, well, I'm not saying I could just buy it outright, but this is a blind boxed NHL jersey licensed by the NHL, licensed by the NHLPA. So, I mean, it does look like Fanatics is trying to get into some hockey stuff besides the tops stickers but you know they were going to do that anyways because they what do they do they make apparel so of course they're going to do something with apparel if they can you know what i mean so you know looking at this list yeah it's like the the worst one you could get um no offense to these people but ryan donato maybe okay i would take ryan donato over vince dunn so there you go okay or vince dunn yeah vince dunn's on the list that's the bottom of the barrel of this checklist i did notice there's no crosby on there so oh well so you think they're making individual deals with these players right no nhlpa license okay yeah so the way it works is if you have a players association license you can include everybody who is a part of the players association so that means players who are currently playing right that's that's what a pa license does now with companies like leaf and president's choice if they make cards of current players, those are individual deals where they're just negotiating with the individual players. Like the, like the Brian Leach one or the Yager one you're talking about. Right, right exactly. Well, I'm, I'm talking more about like with like the trading cards. Right, with, right, right. With what Fanatics has going on here, I'm not quite sure. But like, yeah. I, you know, so it's like a one-off. And that's why sometimes like you'll have like a Leaf card that'll like have a picture of the player. And sometimes it has a picture of the back of their jersey with their name on it because they can't even picture them but they could put a picture of their jersey which is just silly but whatever what's well, like the don russ don russ you know panini don russ has has a a deal with the baseball player association so they they make trading cards but with no logos right pajama cards i'm almost okay with that and some people like them but you know i i will say this about those cards someone does a little bit of baseball too i like the rated rookie logo and so, like, I'll get a rookie card of a player, even though there's no decals, because rated rookie is is an iconic 
name. And so it's the kind of thing where it's like, even if one day in the future, Upper Deck lost the license, but can still have a deal with the players and had no logos and it was a Young Guns card, people would still chase it, potentially. Picture this, alternate universe. Upper Deck loses the NHL license, but Panini gets it instead of Fanatics. Then you could do they could do a lot of cool stuff with you too. You could do kaboom, you could do a bunch of good, you know, good stuff there too. I mean, I'm not, you know, I think it's none of this is gonna happen. I think upper deck is no one's dislodging them from this, I think. I agree. Yeah. I think with the NHL, I would like being with upper deck because they're gonna dote on you. If you're yeah. with tops, you're the fourth sport, sorry. And if you're with upper deck, you're the only sport. I mean, unless you want to count college football by the way fourth sport you may be sixth behind maybe formula one soccer some other stuff so yeah i i agree yeah. with you it's probably not a smart you know if you're if you're oh, the, NHL, yeah. okay. but the only thing that would lure them would be the money if the money was massive which we know fanatics has we'll spend it i mean we know that they, they purged panini's staff and were is paying double and triple their salaries just to get them over to come over to their company then they're willing to do anything. If they really want something, the way Fanatics, I think, operates is they first come to you and make you an offer to buy your company. If you say no, then they'll just pummel you into submission. They'll they'll do yeah, whatever it's they car- can. It's carpet bombing business practice. Right. It's like, oh, we asked you nicely. You didn't want to sell. So now we're going to take all your staff. We're going to throw lawyers at you. We're going to tell people to pull their license. We're going we're gonna to make your life hell. Well, I that's, don't think that's something they would do to the NHL per se. I think no, they no, no. Just, the NHLPA and Fanatics have to team up to do it to Upper Deck. Yeah, I mean, I if if they wanted to just get the license outright when it's up for negotiation, well, they could they could bid on it, I guess, and they could outbid. I mean, they could they could easily outbid, and you know, the thing is, they could just give a guarantee. And then the thing is, is that if the guarantee is high enough, then you don't even care about the percentage of sales. You know, if Upper Deck says, we'll pay you $50 million a year, I'm just making up a number because I have no idea what these guarantees are. Like, They're probably blind bids and envelopes. So the thing is, is that like if Upper Deck says, yeah, we could pay you, we'll pay you $50 million and 12% of whatever we sell. And if Fanatic says, oh, we'll just pay you a billion dollars and 1% of whatever we sell, well, that billion dollars is like right there that's that's the payoff you know what i mean that it, it doesn't matter if they never sell any hockey cards or if it right. that if it's just incremental money after that which it wouldn't be because then fanatics would have the incentive to try to like make their money back on that and really put a push on it and then maybe we start seeing these cards in like supermarkets again like the good old days and not just blaster box for twenty dollars which i guess is okay but yeah but look as much as i'd love to see cards like in every store i go to the problem with that is that how much are they printing of it that it's everywhere that's one and two what's going to happen in a few years is is fanatics logo will appear on nhl jerseys and fanatics logo will then appear on upper deck cards right so it's going to be weird it's gonna be that awkward. It's gonna be weird. You're yeah. right. You want to airbrush it out? They can't airbrush. Yeah, I was gonna say they'll try to airbrush it out. They'll turn it'll be tiny, but if it's a close up, you'll see it on the chest, on the sleeve, wherever they're gonna put it. You know, just like now you see Adidas or you see you know whatever the whatever the brand. But they're not really their competition at that point. If Upper Deck is still making hockey cards and Fanatics is making hockey jerseys, they're no. not really competition with each other. They're not. It's just weird. That's all. They'll change the F into a B. 
Yes, like so uh, Banatics. Banatics, yeah, like uh, like the like Daniel Burke to the upper deck card. Yeah, yeah like tossed into the upper deck logo. Um, upper okay. deck. Upper deck, yeah, upper like rubber deck. Um, well, since we were saying all these good things about upper deck, upper deck can write their check out to each of us, mm-hmm. so we can put that in our slush fund account. Are we required to mention checks in every podcast now. Is that what we're doing? Checks. We mentioned, we mentioned checks last week too on our Boomer episode. Can't they just PayPal us? <laughs> Whatever. Like, Whatever it takes. Yeah. Hey, so let's talk about twenty three twenty four OPG Platinum because I really want to move on to the next topic. So uh, twenty three twenty four OPG Platinum sales sheets have uh, been posted. We're looking at about two hundred and fifty bucks per box according to the pre sells. Twelve packs per box. Twelve cards per pack. Set configuration is going to be 200 veterans, 100 marquee rookies. Shouldn't they be called platinum rookies because it's OPG platinum? But so, yeah, we're going to have OPG platinum. And I like OPG platinum, but just kind of at the same time, like we just got too many metal sets. I call it metal fatigue. Somebody was arguing with me. They're like, well, foil cards and metal cards and platinum cards are not the same thing. And I'm like, it's all shiny shit to me. You know what I mean? And that's good. That's okay. I like it. But I'm just going to stick with Metal Universe. That's my shiny card of choice. Also, the cards are identical to just the regular OPG set, right? Thank you. Thank you. That's my thing. It's like, I like the shiny stuff, but not if it's identical. Which in this case it is. It doesn't do anything different. It just enhances them. So it's almost like a parallel set. I mean, how is it any different than like the Chrome parallel inserts that they would do in like 0809 OPG or like the parallels that they do in like, like they do in like regular OPG. Sometimes there's like Chrome inserts, but oh, nope, that's not the platinum card. That is a Chrome version of a OPG card. You know, it'd be kind of cool, even though. I just complained that the OPG Platinum is exactly like the regular OPG. Like if Young Guns showed up in this set in a Platinum version, that could be interesting. Well, they're doing their silver, their silver and their gold different, right. like foil yeah, exactly. versions like, and series top, monsters too. Top's flagship baseball, Top's Chrome is exactly the same. The inserts may change, but the base cards are the same. They're just shiny. And so this does, they do the same thing here with OPG. But look, the mock-ups look nice. I, mean, I was looking at the at the site with the mock-ups on it, and they, they look great. I'll probably end up buying a blaster for 20 bucks at a show if I had the chance. I don't know. But, you know, but you know, I, I won't do the whole set. I mean, that's not happening. Keep in mind, though, these sell sheets are for the 23-24s. We still haven't seen the 22-23s yet. Those have to come out first. Do they, though? Do they? These ones that just came out on those sell sheets have just now started showing up on pre-sale lists for August. So the 22-23 should be out hopefully well before that. I think, I don't remember what was on the the sheet the last time we looked. It was like February or or March. Probably March because I doubt it would be February. I don't think they want to encroach on Series 2. So, yeah, I mean, we got to get that first before we get to the... You got to get your Matty Beneers marquee rookie before you can get your Connor Bedard marquee rookie. Right. But do we, though? We do. 
because collectors have already moved on. Exactly. I've I've moved on. Like I'm in the year 2024. I'm not in the year right. 2022. And that's the thing. You're still we're still getting these and we still have so many. I mean, if you look at the I mean, heck, just look at the last newsletter where the with the release calendar on it or you know, when the next newsletter comes out, you'll see it. Everything that's on there is almost all old product that's still being held and half the months it gets pushed and gets pushed and gets pushed. So here it is, you know, we're pushing February now. We still probably have, I would say, at least 10 releases for 22-23 that still need to come out. So there's a little while to go. That would mean if even if they try to catch up and the new stuff comes out on time, that's like two releases a month in some cases. More than. More than. Because you have 10 left over from last year and we have 12 months in a year and 11 more months left on top of everything else, people are not going to buy all this stuff. Some of this stuff ends up, I mean, they probably would have been better off skipping a year in some cases and saying, look, we're going to try to catch up because we can't sell this potentially. Nobody wants to buy 22, 23 OPG platinum. I mean, do, I mean, I barely want to buy 23, 24. Why would I want to buy last year's? I just pulled it up real quick just so I know what I'm talking about. And on this list, Parker's Champions is still on there. Premier, Credentials, Ultimate, Clear Cut, Platinum. So not 10, 6. There's still 6 releases for 22-23. And of course the Cup, which will come out 5 years from now. So 7. The Cup is what, a year behind? 2 years behind? It's usually a year. But yeah. 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 So if you count the Cup, that's 7. So there's 7 still on the release calendar for 22-23. So take that for what it is whether they these go poof i mean there's been sell sheets there's been mock-ups for all of this it's none of it it's any surprises it's just sitting there and if it's still pending you know come the release of series two you can't think that they're going to put competing products up against their own flagship product especially with bedard being in there and pushing this set to be like the be-all end-all that everybody should be buying they're not going to have something else to compete against that because it'll get buried and you'll never see it. Breakers won't be opening it. No one. So there'll be no attention on it. Especially if they know they can't get Bedard because it's a year behind. Forget it. Right. Like that's another right. right. Exactly right. That only highlights how old it is. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's definitely a problem because they spend, you know, time obviously creating these sets and they knew that things were going to be delayed, but I don't think they knew it was going to be this delayed. And I, I really feel like they could have really cut back. But again, they're trying to make back the money that they invested in owning the license for NHL cards, right? So, you know, they're going to make as many cards as they can and, you know, try to cash in on the renewed interest in sports cards. I mean, this is, this is the time to do it, but it's overwhelming and it just feels... A lot of it's just kind of like, why bother? You know what I mean? Like, I, I think there's like, there's like a window. Like, if the set just comes out and it's the current year, you're all excited. It's the current year. It's the rookies that are just out now. It's players in their new uniforms. You know, the players who've been traded or signed with other teams or whatever. Right? So there's just that newness factor that draws you to it. Once it's like a year or two out of date, you don't really care until it's like five or 10 years out of date, then it becomes something retro to you. Like, oh, I remember that season. You know what I mean? And then you go back like Tim, like you were geeking out for a while. You were geeking out when we'd go to the shows, you'd be buying all these Pacific 
cards from like 0304 and 0102 and, and, and stuff like that because enough time had passed where now it was like interesting again. Whereas if it's like a year or two old, you're like, I don't want that. That's last year. That's two years ago. That's three years ago. I'm focusing on the new stuff. Not only that, they were all selling boxes for 20 to 30 bucks. So, <laughs> right. That's why I was buying those. Also, it makes, it makes speculating on rookies not really a speculation anymore. It's like, oh, two years ago, well, I know which rookies did well and which didn't. So I can, I can aim for those. A part of the thrill of it is not knowing if some of these guys are going to pan out and for a lot of people. And so when you know all that, when you know it's two years old and all this stuff is set, it, it takes the fun out of it. A big, a big part of it is the fun, I think. Anticlimactic. And then even like Upper Deck is like some of the sets that, that have come out so late that like what they would do is they sh they make, you know how like you have certain sets where like certain rookie cards are numbered out of $9.99 or $7.99 or $5.99 or $2.99 or $49 or 5 or whatever. And they'll pick like those five best guys and they'll have like the, the shortest print run. Now, I know they've done that before, but now it's kind of like, when they're producing the sets so late, they know which ones they're going to cherry pick and say, hey, these were the top five rookies from 21-22. Let's make their cards the hardest rookie cards to get in this serial numbered set. Whereas if they were making it in real time, there would be certain players that maybe wouldn't have been that hard to get. You know what I mean? So it's it's cutting both ways and not in a good way. Well, last thing I'll say about this, again, going back to the release calendar, if you look at it, Considering how long everything has been on that calendar, I mean, we're talking going back to last fall, early last fall, a lot of these have been on there. They just have bumped and bumped and bumped and bumped. You got to imagine if they're still planning on putting them out, they've already been in production. They've already been printed. This is just a matter of timing and everything else. And if that's the case, and again, asterisk, dates may change. But if you follow the way this is, by the end of February... All the 22, 23 stuff should be done other than the cup. By August, all the 23, 24 stuff should be done. If this is the year that they finally catch up, that would put us right in position for the start of next season so that maybe, just maybe, we go back to MVP rolls out, Artifacts rolls out, Opeachy rolls out, Flagship rolls out in November. Maybe. I don't know. I'd love to see it. Normalcy is good. We fear change. Moving on, I want to just mention real quick, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury moving to second all-time in wins, moving past Patrick Waugh. He still has a ways to go to catch Martin Brodeur, and that probably won't happen. Brodeur has 691 career wins, also, as of this recording, Flurry got injured again. Yeah. Ah, uh, uh, you know, I I I still don't own a Mark Andre Flurry Young Gun, and actually, I've been trying to buy one since the seventeen eighteen season when he uh, was on the Golden Knights, and I was just like, you know, I don't have a Mark Andre Flurry Young Gun. I really want one, and it's it's just always been beyond what I was comfortable spending. I mean, it's like. When I looked, I mean, when I was looking, it was like $300. Not, now it's like $500. I mean, it could be more if it's graded. I know there was one that I was eyeing at the expo, but it had like a printer line on it, like a mark from like the roller or whatever. And I'm just like, eh, you know, just spend more and get 
get it in better shape. But Tim, do you have a Marc Andre Fleury young gun? <laughs> no, that's too rich for my blood. Absolutely <laughs> not. No, no, I have a ton of other Fleury rookies, not that one. I, I only have two that I could think of. I have an 0304 Tops, which was a, uh, you had to mail for it. It was like right. the last 10 or 11 or however many rookie cards, like the best rookies from 0304, you had to mail away for that. Um, and then I have the uh, C55, which looks like a kind of like a painting or like a lithograph. And that's, uh, you know, to make to look like the uh, like old cards from like 1910 or whatever, 1011, I think. They were the C-series painting cards, yeah. Yeah, I should know because I wrote an article about it. That actually some other hockey blog like ripped off my article and then I called him out on it. And then he got like really indignant about it. Like, dude, you like literally copy and pasted my text and put it in your blog post. I don't think they're around anymore. I'm not going to mention them though because I don't want to like even give them like credit for for existing. But <laughs> when I'm reading somebody else's like write up on a set that I wrote about. And I just said, Hmm, this guy writes like I write. He uses the same kind of weenie words that I would use like distribution. <laughs> yeah. So, those C 55 cards. Those, those were nice. They harken back to those Imperial tobacco C 55s. Yeah. But, but tops made them full size and then added the minis as inserts. So the minis are cool because those cards were mini because they were tobacco. The, the big ones that are the full-size cards, they look kind of weird because you don't expect to see that design on a, on a full-size full size card. I do have that one. I don't have the Young Gun. I, I have the tops. I have the red parallel tops. I don't have the gold. I wish I had the gold. And I have a whole host of various specific ones from different releases. Most of them are just like studio... Olin Mills shots of him holding a hockey stick and weirdness. So, what about you, Clemente? Got any of his rookie cards? No, I don't own. No, I don't own any of them. And I, this tops card you guys are mentioning, I don't. I'm not aware of it. But I wonder if that tops card you guys are talking about is rarer than the Young Guns card, but because of no. the iconic Young Guns name. But no, that's a card that I wanted to get, and like you said, Sal, it just was just out of reach enough now that i think i saw it last week that it's like going for 600 700 dollars on ebay graded and so now it's you know it's in this territory that like we can't we can't catch it that one guy at the chicago show that had the, all those hockey cards but had like every young gun imaginable he's got every yeah. young guns right he he had that in the case i asked him what he wanted for and it was a raw one it was 900 <sighs> and so i was like yeah I'm out. but that guy is a little pricier than most but nonetheless it's in that realm and so yeah we're not going to catch it we talked about bedard being in that category potentially i think flurry's card was always you know expensive and then if you didn't get it for two or three hundred dollars early on there was no way to catch it after that and and it's never gone down since and so it's what it's it's one of those elusive ones because nine hundred dollars raw that's just one example that's that's pretty crazy um but he's going to be a Hall of Famer. So, you know, it'll never go down. I have tons of other flurry cards. Tons. Probably five, six, seven different autographs. I mean, you're better off probably instead of going for the young guns. You try to get like a nice, maybe autograph card from a third year, a fifth year, or something else. If you want to spend a couple hundred dollars and have them in your collection. Because um, it's like, 
like Tim says, there's, there's a million flurry cards of all kinds of shapes and sizes and prices, and you can still get something pretty expensive, I would think, or, you know, even $200. That's really nice. Maybe numbered and more rare than a Young Guns card, but we won't tell hockey collectors that. It's our secret. Yeah. Collect what you like, even if it doesn't make sense. Collect what you like. <laughs> We're all about the hobby positivity here. We're not going to be negative and demean the things that you like to buy even though they're crap yeah we're, we're we're not about body positivity you all fat but we are about hobby positivity so collect what you like rainbows <laughs> and unicorns so uh speaking of mark andre Fleury moving past patrick wah to now become second all-time in wins patrick wah is an NHL coach again. And somebody like sent me a message. One of my former hockey teammates texted me and I just texted back. Like I didn't text back, LOL. I actually texted back. Ha 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 ha. When he sent me the graphic that like New York Islanders have hired Patrick Waugh to be their head coach because the whole thing just seems so ridiculous to me because, okay, you got Patrick Waugh, you got Lou Lamorello as GM or president or whatever the hell he is these days. So you have two massive egos, one mediocre hockey team. No good can come from this. But I love Patrick Waugh. I mean, I kind of have a love-hate thing going with him. Loved him when he was at the Habs. Hated him when he was with the Avalanche. But I do have a big autographed picture of him on my wall in my living room. And I also did a painting of him when I was in high school. So like... Like I said, love-hate relationship. But why is he coming back to NHL coaching now after leaving? I mean, he's been gone for a long time. I mean, this whole thing just seems weird, doesn't it? I don't think so. I don't think it's weird. He's been considered for almost every single coaching vacancy that's come up, come around over the last couple of years. So I I don't necessarily think it's weird. I'm kind of surprised it's taken this long to get him over or back, I guess, into the NHL. But I think it's a weird fit for the Islanders. I don't think it's weird that he's back in the NHL. It just reeks of desperation a little bit. And the Islanders are probably desperate. I understand that. And, you know, when <laughs> I found out about the about the hiring at the show. I was at the show, actually. I found out about the hiring. And sort of all the conversations about that was like, you know, Patrick Waugh has like a huge temper problem. And I wouldn't want to be an Islanders player and have a deal with him. And this, actually, I was reading an athletic story today where they interviewed some players about, you know, what Waz like as a coach. And I'll read you a piece from <laughs> this quote from former defenseman Nick Holden. It says, played under Waz all three years in Colorado, and he credits the coach with giving him a chance to earn consistent playing time. Okay, he goes, quote, obviously growing up watching him and hearing stories the way he had coached in junior, I thought he was going to be really, really hard and yelling lots and all that stuff, showing that passion he always did, Holden said. He also goes on to say that while laid into players and screamed during intermissions, but it happened a lot less than he expected, <laughs> which, you know, I think is pretty funny. And of course, he, he won his debut, you know, the other night. But I, I think it's the Islanders are probably not going to make the playoffs anyway. And they might, they're not that far out. They're not. Then why fire the coach? You know, they had, you know, I don't think Lou liked the way they were trending. Right. 
I think Waz have just not been coaching the NHL for such a long time. It's just a weird, like like Sal said, it's, it's a weird fit. That's what I think. But whatever. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the Islanders win the Stanley Cup and I'm an idiot. But it's not like he wasn't coaching, though. That's the thing. Because he no, was in the queue. Just not he at this high for, level. You know? No, he coached for the Ramparts in the queue. So, it, it, I mean, last year they won the championship. But that was kind of a joke, which was like a coach with this huge temper coaching like younger players, <laughs> you know, seems like not a perfect fit in the world we live in today, but you know. Well, you talk about that temper. I mean, think about this. You now have as coaches, Patrick Waugh, John Tortorella, Peter Laviolette, all in the same division. Yeah. True. <laughs> the first thing I thought of, I think uh, maybe some referees should probably get some new insurance policies. They're going to have to get the referees the helmet that Bedard's going to wear when he comes back. They're going to have to get him, like, referees that would put the shield. The shield. No, I'm I'm just saying, like, maybe there'll be some stuff going on. Who knows? And, look, he's also in a New York media market, which is very aggressive. And so – Very aggressive and has no patience. Right. So they want to win now. And at the same time, there's there's a lot of coverage. Even of hockey teams, there's a lot of coverage. Because it's a lot of TV stations, a lot of newspapers, a lot of media in general, and you're in New York. So who knows? I mean, you know, it could all work out, but it could also, it'll be fun to watch. That's all I have to say. Do you guys remember the, I think this was the last year that he was in Colorado when uh, they were playing, I think it was Anaheim? You're talking about trying to push down the glass? Yeah, him and him and Bruce Boudreaux got into it. That was his no, that was his first game. I read up on Wikipedia. It was his first game. Oh, yeah. his first game? Okay. In his coaching debut, a six one win over the Ducks. Yeah. Yeah, because they um I forget. I think it was the I think Bruce threw out like his thug line to take the face off. <laughs> and he took offense to it and just started screaming and yelling and it was like this back and forth. Yeah. So and Gabby's not known to keep his mouth shut, that's for sure. But Patrick Waugh started pushing over the partition in between the benches. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't think he's going to – maybe he's cooled, cooled his down a little bit. Who knows? You know, um, we, we did get a question from a listener. He wanted to know if um, – do you think that goalie fights are just for show? Like – he was talking about like when like line brawls break out or like, you know, he sent me like a, a video of like Hextall versus Potvin. He's like, do you think goalie fights are just for show? I mean, or do you think like they're actually fighting because they're they're pissed off? And I, I kind of feel like with Patrick Waugh, like it was a little bit for show, but it was also because he was like pissed off. Like when I think of like goalies being pissed off, there's this great video on YouTube. It's like 10 minutes. It's like called like goalies losing their shit. And it's, it's just like a compilation of like Ron Hextall, Billy Smith, Patrick Waugh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Ray Emery. You know what I mean? Um, not necessarily even fighting. It just could be like stick swinging and stuff like that. But uh, what do you guys think? Well, actually, well, Bennington is for show. I guess it just depends on the goalie, just like anything else, right? I think sometimes, you know, when in the all-out brawl kind of days, the goalies are just kind of like, well, now we're just standing here, so we should probably should fight, right? I, I think that there's a little bit of that goes on, you know. And then also, Wah had an epic fight with Mike Vernon once mm-hmm. you know, many years ago, which was 
which if you haven't seen it, you should go on YouTube and watch that. But no, I think I agree with you. I think with Wise, probably was real, you know, because he's a tough guy. Look, nothing wrong with a tough goalie, you know, but um, hasn't been a good goalie fight in a long time, I think. But, um, but yeah, no, I don't think it's for show. I think, I think, you know, especially if you're, you know, you have to come. You know, oftentimes, you have to skate across the ice to do it too. If I was a goalie, I would just skate to the bench, but that's just me. <laughs> the thing is, is like, if you're the goalie and you're winning, do you want to get kicked out of the game for a fight? That's a good point. Or get hurt, potentially. Or if your team is down by one and you're in this game and you're, pl- you know, you think you're playing well, do you really want to get kicked out for a fight? You know what I mean? Like, so it, it, it's kind of stupid. Also, also, you're a goalie. You use your hands to, to make saves and make plays. Other players don't do that. So you don't really want to get hurt, like punching a guy in the helmet or something. Well, like, I remember know. when Rick DiPietro went to went to pick a fight with uh, who, who was the Penguins goalie that game that that dropped him with one punch? Brent Johnson. Brent Johnson, and I mean, just boom! That it wasn't Ty Conklin. It was Brent Johnson. It was Brent Johnson. Okay, yeah, boom! One punch, and he's down. I mean, like, and and then he had a fractured jaw. And this is a dude who was like always having like a pulled hamstring or torn this or or twisted that. So like. You know, Rick DiPietro should not have been like picking a fight with the other team's goalie, but that just seemed like, oh, I'm gonna get, you know, I'm gonna do this. Like it just seemed really boneheaded. When Hexall got into a fight one time after a game, he jumped Elaine Chevrier when Chevrier was playing on the Devils, and it's just like, why? He's not, you know, the dude's like five eight. He's not gonna fight you. So what? Your team lost. What? What are you gonna gain by that? You know what I mean? Like, so I mean, I think sometimes you have certain players who have tantrums i mean we talked about jordan bennington way back when like two playoffs ago or whatever the whole water bottle throwing incident i feel like when he you know when he wants to fight he just doesn't really want to fight he just wants to bark and it's too bad that we were deprived a a jordan bennington mark andre Fleury fight that could have happened last year that would have been that would have been a thing of beauty that could have happened, and what was the one game? It was Phoenix Copley and John Gibson were going at it, and that was gonna that was gonna happen. Here's the thing: I think there was a point in time where goalie fights there was there was an inevitable feeling like it could happen, especially on those massive line brawls and scrums that would break out. But you never knew for sure. But I think there's a whole bunch of rules that have been put in that like goalies can't remove their helmets and all this kind of stuff. So. How are you going to fight with a goalie mask on? I mean, you're not. You have to knock the goalie mask off. Plus, they're not supposed to cross center ice. So there's that. So they have to meet center ice and, and come after each other. There's got to be something going on in order for that to happen. No goalies are just going to, like, in the middle of a play, just, like, point at each other and then skate down and cause a fight. There's obviously something going on. And nine times out of ten, what prompts the other opponent goalie to come down the ice and jump into the to the fray is that the goalie at this end, there was something going on, and they jumped in and are getting involved with the regular players. So here's a regular player that just has his helmet and his normal gear on, and here's this goalie that's, you know, six foot nothing and weighs 150 pounds, but looks like he's, you know, 6'10 and weighs 400 pounds with all of the gear that he's got on. So the other goalie comes down and, you know, off we go. So... I don't know. I think the referees are probably have been instructed, whether it's explicitly or secretly, to 
knock that crap off because yeah you're right the flower in bennington that was brewing and it could have happened but they just well and part of that was because bennington was going after flurry's teammates on the wild and then again yeah when you have when everybody squares off and it's in one end then yeah okay now you have six on five so then the other goalie kind of needs to help because his guys are out are outnumbered you could have two one of your players getting ganged up by two of their players you know what i mean so it I, I can understand why a goalie would do that. that. That yeah, that would have been a good fight though. But anyway, so uh yeah, Patrick Waugh back in the saddle as a head coach should be entertaining. Um and keep in mind that when he his first season with Colorado, he did win the Jack Adams Award because the previous year the Avalanche didn't make the playoffs. Then when he took over the next season, uh they finished first in the central. And uh, he won Jack Adams Award as the best NHL coach. They missed the playoffs the next two years. Then Wah quit because he said he didn't feel like he was getting enough input. He was like head coach and vice president of whatever. And he just felt like he wasn't getting enough input. That's when he kind of quit late in the summer. And then the uh, Avalanche didn't really have a choice but to promote Jared Bednar from the AHL to be their head coach. And that actually worked out for Bednar and it worked out for the Avalanche really well. So, you know, they have like a normal coach and you know they've had success under him as well won won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago but Islanders seems like a weird fit but hey you know what who knows could could be a great thing um that's why I think he he had to have grew a little bit because leaving Colorado because you don't have enough control and then going to play for Lou talk about not having control so you know is he gonna have to ask permission to make a line change I mean, Lou, the third line's tired. Can they can can they come back and uh, can I put out the fourth line now? <laughs> I mean, you look back at all the teams that lose in the GM. He fires all the coaches and then places himself as coach until he finds somebody else. Nothing so. will ever top when he fired Claude Julien. Oh yeah, when, and they were in first place. Right, they right. were in first place. And he fired Claude Julien and he said, well, I just don't feel like we're ready for the playoffs. It's like you're in first place. What else can your coach do for you at that point? Right? Like, do you want the president's trophy that bad? Do you really want to burn out before the playoffs? I mean, ugh. That was when he was on the Devils. Yeah, He didn't have them mentally prepared for the playoffs. And that's why he wanted to can them. Yeah, yeah. He also had supposedly he had a bunch of the veterans chirping in his ear saying, I don't like this coach. Oh, well, okay. So he's that's what the rumor was. Mm, Yeah, well, uh, you know, what was funny was, and I probably brought this up before, but when I used to write to New Jersey Devils players for autographs back during the Lou regime, never got my card signed. I would get back a form letter from Lou Lamorello thanking me for being a fan. I would get like some New Jersey devil stickers, like logo stickers or a bumper sticker. I would get like a form to like join the New Jersey devils fan club. And then I'd get my cards unsigned. Yeah. Sounds like they would, they would come in probably. And he would probably say, look, I don't even want to see my mail. Like just send them back this goodie bag or whatever it is. No, no, no. What I'm saying though, is that the devil's players did not sign autographs through the mail. Oh. Right. When they were under Lou. Did he sign all the letters? P.S. Shave your beard, you dirty hippie. No, 
but oh. it was just like, you know, thank you for being a fan, blah, 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 whatever. I, I actually have scanned the form letter. I've been meaning, meaning to post it on social media because I found it recently and I scanned it. I'm like, this is funny. I mean, he just like, you know, like one year I got a New Jersey Devils 1995 Stanley Cup championship bumper sticker, like along with my unsigned cards. So, all right, moving on. ESPN pulling all archived NHL games after 30 days. Honestly. I didn't know that you could watch old NHL games on ESPN plus. And by old, I mean like from like last season or earlier this season or whatever. So Tim, you got a bugaboo about this? It doesn't really bother me, but I guess it's, it was significant because most of the tweets and stuff that I saw about it when they made the announcement were coming from, I'm using air quotes again, journalists. So it was all of the reporters and stuff like that. And I didn't really think about it at first. And I'm like, yeah, if you're a researcher or an analytics person or a journalist working on a story or something like that, having access to archived games, I guess, would come in handy if you got to refer back to something. But ESPN yanking them off their service. And the thing is, what I read is they're taking them off like completely, completely. So this isn't like they're moving them to a different thing where maybe there's another tiered paywall that you can access them. They're just gone. Once they hit the 30-day mark, adios. I don't know. Is this as big of a deal in today's day and age where everybody has access to YouTube and there's a million other channels that go back and highlight games all the time and repost the stuff? I don't know. When I first heard it, I was like, Okay, whatever. And then I saw the people complaining and I never thought about it that way. I was like, oh, yeah. You know, if you're a researcher or you're working on something, that would kind of suck that you can't go back. From a fan standpoint, unless you're some psycho that likes to go back and watch games from a year ago over and over and over again because you're trying to relive some moment, I mean, that'd be the only thing. But then all I can say is you should have TiVoed it and, or bought the Rock'em Sock'em video that came out. And you could watch it anytime. Well, I will say this, and Clemente, I'm wondering if you have an opinion about this too. So, yeah, you guys are writers. What, how do you think? Well, I mean, I just want to give like a real world example. So, this wasn't an NHL game, but I remember um, a few years back, maybe 2019 or something, Hockey News said, Hey, we want you to write us an article. We're doing like the top 50 games of all time or the. 20 what whatever it was it was a compilation magazine it was like the best international games right so like the number one game was the miracle on ice 1980 game usa beating russia or soviet union the number two top international moment game was 1972 team canada beating the soviets the number three game on their list was the 1987 canada cup game three that's what they asked me to write about now I never watched the 87 Canada Cup. Have I seen the highlights? Yes. Do I know the whole Gretzky to Lemieux thing? Yes. In fact, that was the title of my article because that's such a famous saying, like Gretzky to Lemieux, right? That was the call on the ice, right? Or the call by the play-by-play. What did I do to write this article? The first thing I did is I went on YouTube and I wanted to see if I could watch that complete game three. And I watched it. And I watched it probably two times, just in its entirety. And I took notes on the game. 
Now, you can look at the box score, but the box score doesn't tell the story, doesn't tell the whole story. And for those of you who watched 87 Canada Cup, I'd love to know your opinion on this, especially on game three. I really feel the turning point in that game is when defenseman Craig Hartsburg laid out a massive hit on one of the Russian players, and that changed the mood of the team, and that changed the tempo. Because the first, like, 10 minutes, it was, like, end-to-end. It was, like, nonstop. It was crazy. But Canada gave up a couple of goals, and that kind of seemed to suck the life out of them, and it seemed like they were on their heels a bit. And Hartsburg just did one of those things where he just stood up the guy at the line, knocked him down, the crowd got into it, Canada got into it. I know you would just say it's a hit, right? But when you watch that game and then you see how the players reacted after that and you hear how the crowd reacted after that, and I talked to Hartsburg about that hit, you know, and about his role on the team. And the thing is, is that, guess what? That hit is not going to show up in a box score. May or may not show up on a highlight reel, depending on who edited it and who thinks if that's important or not. I thought it was important enough talk about in my article. And that's the kind of thing that you can't get from watching like a five minute clip. Maybe you can, but you get my point, right? So to me, having that whole game was a lifesaver because if not, I'd have to figure out how to get it, you know, whether it's buy it or whatever, but yeah. So it is important. It's, it's absolutely important, especially if you're trying not to give the same 800 words that you could just find on Wikipedia or any blog post or whatever, because people tend to say, especially online, people tend to say the same stuff over and over. And really, you have to do your own research to kind of get new information, I think. So, all right, that's my spiel. Clemente? Yeah, no, if I was doing the story, I would have done the same thing you did. I mean, what I would have done too is I would have found any newspaper clippings I could online of that game from you know, prominent newspapers like the New York Times or the Associated Press or, mm-hmm. you know, reports. But then I would have done the second thing I would have done was exactly what you did. Can I find video of this thing? And that just highlights the whole game, which makes me think that maybe I guess it's my turn for a conspiracy theory. I guess maybe there is an opportunity for the NHL to create or for ESPN to create some kind of like, well, if you want archive, you have to pay for it. It's going to be somewhere else. Or it could be a bandwidth issue. They can't keep that much available. Now, if it was only after 30 days, that seems reasonable. I agree with Sal. I didn't really know this existed. So it's hard for me to be upset about it when I didn't know it was a thing. But it seems like a strange thing to to say, hey, we're not going to show it. Unless they were going to create some kind of app or some kind of other avenue for the NHL to say, hey, look, if you want it, though, you can pay $2 for a game and watch an old game. Now, the truth is, Sal mentioned like an iconic, important game. Does anybody really care about a run-of-the-mill game? Probably not. Um, the other night I watched the Rangers beat the Ducks, and they came back. It was a great game, right? Do I want to watch that game? I was pestering you. I was pestering you on on Messenger. I was like, "What the hell's wrong with Shesterkin?" And then and then and then he, the Rangers score four goals and win the game. But but do I want to watch that game over again, like in a week? Probably not. Nothing happened. I mean that that flurry game where he like you know make, has a record or makes a milestone. Maybe that's the kind of game you want to see. Maybe that should be available through the website or some other place. So that that you know maybe they could be more selective about 
you know, epic games or something. And I'm sure that you could watch epic playoff games or something else if you wanted to find them. There's plenty of YouTube accounts that have that stuff. There used to be a website, I think it was actually called NHLvideo.net or something like that, where they would okay. just catalog all the games that looked like feeds off of somebody's center ice package. Ooh, but they were all available. Illegal, right? That's an illegal type of thing. Yeah, and I think that might have been, they may have gotten shut down or may have had to come up with some other kind of backdoor way to doing it. But, I mean, that was a site for a while, but that was years ago. I haven't even checked that out. So, but yeah, YouTube, there everything's all over YouTube. Well, YouTube is the Wild West. You can't, you can try to control YouTube. And I'm sure the NHL has lawyers go through YouTube all the time and send like warnings to people. But you know, just just as if it, you know, you take one down and another one pops up. So I can comment on the YouTube thing, me having posted some hockey clips of things, like for instance, for some reason i don't know why but i'm so glad i did i recorded the 1997 nhl awards show and i put it on youtube so they had like these little comedy bits so it was almost like they had like these different skits like the first skit was like ron mcclain calling phyllis Vizito and telling him that he no longer is has the record for however many goals or third most goals or goals in a season or what i know gretzky has the records but you know what i mean because because they're making some retroactive rule change or something, right? Like they had like all these little funny skits. They had one skit that had two little kids playing a table hockey game. And one of them is like a 10 year old Drake before he became Drake. And then all of a sudden, like one day I see that video on YouTube has like a bunch of like comments on it. Cause somebody on Reddit found it and be like, Hey, look, it's a little Drake in this NHL video. Right. The thing is, is that, Usually what the copyright holders will do is they'll decide that they'll put their ad banners, they'll get they'll put in the commercials, and they'll make all the revenue. So you basically don't make any money off of ad revenue. So if you say, hey, I got this Penguins game from, you know, 1991 Stanley Cup Finals, right? And I'm going to put this game on YouTube, right? Well, guess what? They're going to say, hey, the NHL has flagged this as something that they own the rights to. We're not taking it down. You don't have a strike against you. However, you cannot make any money off of this video. So you basically did the work for them. So they can monetize it, but you did the work of actually putting it online. And I mean, I did that with like, I had like um, an all-star game video highlight something or other that the Blackhawks put out on VHS tape. And I like digitized it and put it on YouTube and one day randomly like five years after the fact they're like hey you don't own the rights to this the nhl has claimed copyright of this and i'm like well not gonna argue with that because it is theirs you know but yeah, uh, you, should said, you should have said what took you so long right they were too busy working on their nfts back then in 2008 yeah not really yeah. but they were trying um, to get them ready for this year but <laughs> what i was gonna say was when i have something that i say people need to see this like, because the thing that I put on line was a, like a, a video that the Blackhawks put out on VHS, right? So other people weren't able to see this unless they had that VHS from like 1991, right? Another thing I found on a VHS tape, and I forgot what talk show it was on, but it was a Brett Hall interview. And it was like 20 minutes. And this was back when YouTube would only let you post a video up to 10 minutes long. So I actually had to post it in like two parts. But it's like this long form Brett Hall interview. And I wasn't thinking like, Hey, I want to make money off of this. I'm like, 
hey, I got this thing on VHS tape, and I don't know if anybody has seen this. I mean, yes, people have seen it. It aired, like, you know, back in, like, 1990. But I want to share it with the world. I want other people to see it because it's cool. And I think that as somebody who likes this stuff, you want other people to, to enjoy it as well. So that was my mindset there. Not like, oh, I'm going to make a fraction of a penny if somebody watches this video and clicks on the ad banner or whatever. I don't care about that. I don't think any of us make money off of YouTube. I'm not speaking for all of us, but I'm not Mr. Beast, so you'll make millions of dollars on YouTube. Okay, let's move on to Amazon picking up Diamond Sports Group. Well, they're investing in them. And there's essentially to... saving them from bankruptcy is what yes. it is. Yes. So pick, picking up, I'm I'm misreading that basically. Yeah. So Diamond Sports Group, which has like the Bally Sports Regional Sports Networks, they're bankrupt or they're like hemorrhaging money. They need money. Amazon steps in, invests money, also has the right to invest more money. And it looks like some teams might end up on. Amazon Prime streaming next season. Now, the Bally Sports name is going to be dropped. So there's not going to be like Bally Sports Midwest or whatever, because that was something that Bally licensed because they wanted their name on these sports networks. But really, they're in the casino game. And that's kind of like what I guess they're going to focus on. So the teams in question, Anaheim Ducks, Carolina Hurricanes, Columbus Blue Jackets, Dallas Stars, Detroit Red Wings, Florida Panthers, Los Angeles Kings, Minnesota Wild, Natural Predators, St. Louis Blues, Tampa Bay Lightning. So if I understand this correctly, that would mean that locally those teams might be streamed on Amazon Prime, or maybe they would just continue to be on those regional sports networks owned by Diamond Sports Group. But I think it wouldn't affect like if it's out of market, you know, like watch up to 40 out of market games a week on ESPN plus or NHL, whatever. Right. So I don't know. I think it's funny when people lose their shit about some random NFL game being on Amazon Prime because <laughs> I have Amazon Prime, so I, I don't care. But it's just like, oh, I'm going to subscribe to this thing that I don't subscribe to and. You know, not to sound like a know-it-all, but it's like, doesn't everybody have just an Amazon Prime account now? Don't they? From the NFL standpoint, people got used to the the Prime thing because it's been a couple years now. They just don't watch the games because they're all the Thursday night games and they're horrible. What the people right. lost their crap about was the fact that they put a playoff game on Peacock. Right. After oh, Comcast okay. eliminated Peacock from its service. Yeah, it's, so you have it's to pay like, for it now. But in the two yes. markets of those teams, you can watch it, I think, for free. It was for everybody else. Yes. And then I think I read that, like, among the 20 to 35 demographic, it was, like, huge. I'm like, of course, because they, they have streaming and all the 60-year-olds don't have it. But whatever. But, look, the future of television is is streaming. And I'm not talking about Netflix. I'm talking about, I'm talking about live sports. And once that happens, ESPN will go out of business because – no one will get cable TV anymore to, to be able to get these providers. It would just do a la carte. I mean, look, I, I watch a lot of soccer, and soccer is like this. It's like on every streaming service. It's like if you want to watch three different leagues, you have to get Paramount Plus and Peacock, and or you don't, or you don't get it. But, I mean, like I agree with you, Sal. Like 
to watch football fans like go crazy because of this Amazon thing is is kind of funny. Now Tim is right. I think two years ago when they first started it, every Thursday game was lousy for whatever reason. And you know, I think this year wasn't so much the case. The other fear too is that oh, what if you know why are streaming it because of so many people on there? What if there's too much bandwidth? You know, not enough bandwidth. Could they could they support this? And I don't think that's been a problem at all. But look, I know that this Bally Sports thing was a problem a couple of years ago in these markets. And look, these fans in those markets deserve to be able to watch it on some platform. And like I think Sal's right. Most people probably have Prime. And if you don't, then you get it. You get Prime just for this. You know, so I don't know. I think, you know, it's a good development. But look, I think the future of, of live sports is streaming. And if you think about it, live sports going to streaming is is late to the game. Movies have been doing this for years. You know, that's not live stuff. And the only thing keeping cable in business was the live sports, or the live events like the Oscars and things like that. Once you, you strip that away, the cable companies are going to suffer. But they should have innovated. I mean, that's that's the, that's the other name of the game, too, is there was no innovation on the part of the cable companies. I'm all for more hockey if it's available to more people. And so that's the bottom line for me. And if you have to pay for stuff, look, we live in a world where nothing is free, including television. And look, if that's your vice, pay for Prime and, and watch your team. Well, and I don't mind paying for some things, but it's like, you have to pay for so much. I mean, two things I'm just going to throw out really quick. Like a while back, I was asking people, oh, I'm looking for recommendations of a TV show to watch, right? And somebody recommended, oh, you should check out Yellowstone. It's really popular. I go, okay. So then I'm looking and it's like, oh, well, Yellowstone is produced by Paramount. Okay, cool. I have Paramount Plus. But then I'm like reading online. Well, Yellowstone is not on Paramount Plus. It's on the Paramount Network. I'm like, what? This is a separate thing that I have to buy? But then I'm like, you know, but then they're like, oh, but the prequel series 1883 and the other prequel series 1923 or whatever are on Paramount Plus. And I'm like, okay, so prequel series are on the thing, but the show itself is not on the thing. I have to get something else. Like, wait, you have Paramount Plus and then you have Paramount Network? That's stupid. That's totally stupid. It's like when Disney had Disney and Disney XD. And it was like the Star Wars cartoons that I wanted to watch were on Disney XD, but not regular Disney Channel. Or like, again, with the regional sports and how, how the cable's keeping it alive. It's like, I have to upgrade my DirecTV package to the next package that's $25 more than the, the package that I had so that I can watch Blackhawk games. If the Blackhawks were like, hey, we're going to be on Amazon Prime. Well, a Prime membership's like, it's like 130 bucks a year, might be a little bit more. But it's like less than 15 bucks a month. And I'd be like, well, hey, I'll gladly pay that to watch the Blackhawks and to get all the other stuff that's on Amazon Prime, which I think is better than like cable TV because there's shit like HGTV that I don't watch. I don't even know what's on HGTV. There's all these channels that I don't know what they are and I don't care. And they're like, well, you upgrade to this tier and you get another 50 channels. But guess what? I just want the one channel that's showing me the Blackhawks game. Can I just pay $5 a month for that channel? No, I have to pay $25 a month for 
all the channels, including the one that I want. So yeah, yeah. this thing has oh. just become a shit show and they're getting greedy. So when I hear about these things losing money or whatever, it's like, well, you know what? You made your bed. You made bad decisions. I mean, I understand that they have to pay for the rights for this and for that, for the other thing. But, you know, depending on people to pay a lot of money so that they can get your channel is terrible. That's why I think the streaming model is pretty good. Back when it was like five, six bucks, you know, like five bucks a month, you could get this channel. You go, okay. Then it became 10 bucks and it became $13.99. Now it's like $15 a month. I mean, now, now that's getting out of hand too, right? But yeah, it's a mess. My problem with it, you can't grow a game that's lagging behind in viewership and you can't expand for marketing and advertising so that you can raise your salary caps so that you can pay your players and bring better parity to the league if you don't make eyeballs capable of watching your sport. And that's part of the problem that I always have with this kind of stuff. And yeah, you're going to bring in the people, like you said, Clemente, with the demographics going to be younger. Okay, I get it. But prime example, Altitude Sports in Colorado. Half the people that live in Colorado can't watch Denver Nuggets or Avalanche games. In their own state, they can't even watch them because of Altitude Sports and the licensing agreements. It's dumb. Okay, so Bally goes away. Amazon foots the bill and says, okay, we're going to turn this into whatever our own sports network is. Maybe they keep them available and they just fund the money so they can keep up and running. Or do they bring them in and, and bury them behind a paywall? If they do that, then what? Are there going to be people willing to pay the money that already aren't already doing so? Because you're right, Sal, a lot of people already have Amazon Prime. A lot. Just because it's been around long enough that people paid the money to get the shipping discounts and Oh, by the way, we'll give you this service too. I don't like it because then here's what here's what what happens. So the NHL cuts a deal with Bally Sports for licensing agreements to actually show the the programs. Now Bally Sports goes away. Now NHL has to do a new agreement, but it's not with a Bally Sports. It's with Juggernaut Amazon. What do you think Amazon's going to want out of this deal? So your cut's going to go from this to this. And it's, okay, now or, what? Or, or Tim, it won't be like that. The cut will be the same, and they'll just pass the cost off to the consumer. Say, well, you pay sure. $30 a month for this thing if you want to sure. watch all the home games. Or yep. or you don't watch it. I mean, that's And then you'll get the letter or the email that says, we've tried to negotiate in good faith, and but they just keep taking our money. So, so one of go. the articles that I read here, and I'm just going to read the paragraph. As part of Amazon's financial infusion, the e-commerce giant will have 15%. Infusion. Yes, infusion. Great word. Thank you. I like it. Okay. So as part of Amazon's financial infusion, the e-commerce giant will have 15% ownership in becoming Diamond's primary partner. In addition, Prime Video will be able to stream games that geographically align with local television rights of Diamond. Under this proposed arrangement, Diamond subscribers would be able to buy local streaming access on Prime Video for live local MLB, NBA, and NHL games, which are available on Diamond. 
So there you go. So it's going to be some kind of separate package. Maybe. Sounds like it. But uh, I'm paying 140 bucks for Amazon Prime. Oh, but you can't get this. If you want this, it's extra. Well, they're paying money for it, so they're going to want to make money off of it somehow, I guess. Whatever. I'll Everyone's got to get paid. I'll just keep flipping my VPN and pirating stuff. I know it's been like a month, but I'm still pissed about the whole World Junior Championship thing being on uh, the NHL Network as far as the USA games. It's like all the non-USA games were on ESPN+. Plus. Only the USA games were on NHL Network. And that really, really, really annoyed me because I really wanted to watch those games. And, whoa, if I subscribe to NHL Network... That's another $20 because then I'd have to buy the next package up just because I want Comcast Sportsnet Chicago to watch Blackhawk games and NHL Network. And I was spending almost $50 more, which is why I don't buy NHL Network. Again, if NHL Network was five bucks a month, I'd be like, okay, here you go. Five bucks a month. That's fine. I'm happy with this. But the fact that I have to subscribe to this higher cable package with a hundred other shitty channels that I'm never going to watch. Doesn't do anything for me. It used so. to be five bucks on Comcast because it was part of the sports package. But now that sports package is 15. Yeah. So, but it, it I mean, it's included in the, the uh, Xfinity or Comcast package. Well, yeah. Way far. Right. But uh, I'm not, I'm not using them because I got tired of them because everything was so damn expensive with them. All right, let's talk about the All-Star Game. We'll just round out this episode with a little bit of discussion about the 2024 NHL All-Star Game. So let me just give you some of the facts off the top, and then we can discuss the finer points of what's going to happen. So this is going to happen uh, Thursday, February 1st, Friday, February 2nd, Saturday, February 3rd. So you got the Fantasy Draft on Thursday, February 1st at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's going to be on Sportsnet and TVA Sports in Canada, ESPN2 in USA. guess I'll have to check if I have ESPN2 because that might be on the super premium ultra package that I don't subscribe to. Thank you very much, NHL, for making this harder than it needs to be. Friday, February 2nd at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, we have the skills competition. That'll be on Sportsnet, TVA Sports in Canada, so those two stations, and on ESPN and ESPN Plus in the USA. And then the actual game itself will be Saturday, February 3rd at 3 p.m. Eastern time. In uh, Canada, we're looking at Sportsnet, CBC, and TVA Sports. And then in the U.S., ABC and ESPN Plus. Now, we got four teams, but we're not calling them the blue team, the yellow team, the red team, the gold team. That would be fun. So we got Team Matthews, Team McDavid, Team Hughes, and Team McKinnon. So Team Matthews, they're going to be wearing the blue jerseys. That's Austin Matthews, and it's going to be his assistant captain is going to be Morgan Riley, and then his celebrity captain is going to be Justin Bieber, which this all makes sense. They wear blue. They're Maple Leaf guys on the team. Bieber's a huge Maple Leafs fan. Okay, great. Team and they're McDavid. like best friends. And they're like BFFs, right? Team McDavid. You got Connor McDavid as the team captain with Leon Dreisaitl as the alternate captain. The celebrity captain will be Will Arnett, the actor, and they're going to be wearing the white jerseys. Team Hughes is going to be co-captain 
by Jack Hughes and Quinn Hughes. Singer, musician Michael Buble will be the celebrity captain, and they'll be wearing the red jerseys. And then Team McKinnon, captained by Nathan McKinnon. His alternate captain will be Kale McCarr, and the celebrity captain will be singer, songwriter, and dancer Tate McRae. And they're going to get the yellow jerseys. So that's all the facts about the stuff. Of course, yes, there are 44 players that are going to be in the All-Star game. I'm not going to read all 44 names, but you get the idea. Of course, Connor Bedard was named to the All-Star game. He's not going to be in the All-Star game because of his broken jaw. Also missing the game will be Jack Eichel. He's also injured. So they were replaced by guys not on their own teams. I think it sucks that the Blackhawks will not have anybody in this All-Star game. And I'm going to look over this roster again. Yeah, no, no Blackhawks. So, yay. I don't even think I'm going to watch the game. I don't even think I'm going to watch the skills competition because you only got like 12 guys in it. So, I don't know. This seems like the NHL is kind of getting some things kind of right and something's kind of wrong. So I don't know. I don't I don't feel like, like super excited about this. I know I said I like the All-Star game at the top of the show, but I don't like that not everybody gets to be in the skills competition. I feel like everybody should be in the skills competition. I think it's fun that they're bringing in celebrity captains. And, you know, even though I never heard of Tate McRae, because I'm old. She has 3.3 million followers on Instagram. So cool. Maybe some of them will get into hockey because of her involvement in this. Uh, and I mean that seriously, because that's how it happens sometimes. So I feel like they're doing something right and some things not so right. Both of you are like seething. Like, I'm Tim, you're speechless. like, you're no, speechless. Clemente's speechless, and Tim looks like a teapot ready to boil over, right? Like, we got one guy who's like so mad he can't say anything, and the other guy's like in shock and he can't say anything. <laughs> no, it was so it was so succinct, and I was like, I don't think I have an opinion on this. <laughs> no, but I mean, I'll probably tune into it. I mean, the skills competition is always fun. You know, I don't know what you mean about having all the players in it. I mean, some people are more specialized. I know what you mean. Like the, I think we mentioned this before, but like the NFL does an all-star skills competition, which is a lot more fun, maybe because they have the Nickelodeon thing going. I think it's a lot more fun. My kids like to watch it and they watch no football, like none. But they'll say to me every year, like, oh, is that is that NFL skills thing happening soon? And I'm like, yeah, it's happening soon. And so I don't know that. The, the NHL version of that has the same appeal, even though it should because it's on ice and it's more fun. But other than that, you know, and, and I don't, I'm not really sure what these celebrity captains do. They're just sitting on the bench, maybe. They're, I don't know. They're there, you know. And that might bring in some eyeballs. I don't know. But in general, I think some fans, like the diehard hockey fans, love the All-Star weekend. And the players probably hate it because they don't want to they want to be off. While you were talking, Sal, I had this flashback to this, like, I think it was not a fever dream, but it was real. We, you, you two got into, like, a big discussion about why every team she represented at the All-Star game. I think Tim was saying that should not be the case. But look, the Blackhawks have a player, Bedard. He's hurt. And other than that... They're not a good team. So why should someone from the Blackhawks be at the All-Star game? Because you're a Hawks fan. I get it. But I don't think that every team needs to be represented 
it's nice. And Bedard is technically on the roster. He won't play, but it all becomes a thing. I don't know how it works in hockey, but the coaches end up picking a lot of these extra players then to pad out the roster. And then obviously the coaches pick the players on their teams because, but why not? Right. And so, but you know, that assumes that you take this all-star thing seriously and I don't, so I don't really care. And so just for fun. And so let's just keep it that way. Is it my turn yet? Tim, back to you. <laughs> yes, we have debated whether or not there should or shouldn't be a representative from every team. There's obviously not this time. Okay, so those that don't believe in it, there, you got your wish. Those of you that do, you're mad. All the people that every time we talk about the All-Star game are like, why are you talking about that? All-Star game is stupid. Guess what? You're getting your wish because now we're starting to think it's stupid because here the initial concept of what they were going to do to change it this year was, hey, I know you still do the three on three. We're still doing, you know, we're going to still have a fan vote. We're, we're going to do all that, but we're going to make it like a fantasy draft. And we've always talked about back when they did the fantasy draft thing the one year. It was hilarious and it was fun and it was cool. So, yeah, we're going back to that. But then they got to go and screw it up by, first of all, taking the skills competition, limiting it to 12 contestants, essentially, to do all the events so that they can come up with one overall champion that's going to be crowned at the end. So all 12 people, fastest skater, hardest shot, stick handling. It's like triathlon of hockey. It's like a triathlon. Or, or like before, the, the decathlon and, and the Olympics, like 10 events. But before you could take the entire rosters, right, everybody being there for the event, you could take all the rosters and you could be like, okay, we got the hardest shot. Of everybody that's here, maybe not the hardest shot in the league, but of everybody that's here, you, 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 and you. Hardest shot, go. And so you know you're going to get some type of competition. Now we've limited it to 12. Oh, not only are we going to limit it to 12, we're going to make the stupid fans pick them. So idiot fans get to pick who are in the skills competition. Rather than open it up to the whole group, we're going to have these fans pick. And guess what they did? Well, you got 12. So if you had one from every team, the most you could have is 12. 32 teams in the league, 12. That's a fraction. But what did we do? We picked 12 guys from seven teams. There's two Avalanche players. There's two Oilers. There's three Canucks. There's two Maple Leafs. So other than Pasternak and Jack Hughes and Kucherov, everybody else is a teammate of one another. So now not only do you not have every team represented in the game, now you don't have even close to a fraction of the teams represented in the skills competition. It's like when Congress passes a bill. But in the meantime of passing a bill that was supposed to do something good, 17 other congressmen added a bunch of BS crap for their own home jurisdictions onto the bill, and now it makes it into something it totally wasn't. That's kind of what this is. They started with a great idea, and as it passed through the line, somebody else came along and like, you know what else would be cool? Let's have mustard-colored jerseys. You know what else would be cool? Let's not let any of the players that should compete in the competitions compete. Hey, you know what else is cool? Let's let moron fans pick everybody that's going to be in the whole thing. And it's just like totally turned into something that it wasn't. Look, 
I like the all-star game. I enjoy it. I like the festivities that lead up to it. I'm pretty, pretty stoked that they're actually going to have a three-on-three tournament with the PWHL players. Whether it gets televised on TV, I don't know. Maybe they'll throw it on their YouTube channel, which has had great coverage, and we've talked about that already. So I'm excited about that. Do I still want to see the skills competition? Yeah. I mean, some of those events are are, are interesting. They're supposedly going to have this new advanced obstacle course for all of the finalists for all the events at the end. So I'm interested to see what that's going to look like. But the more and more we get to, we got to make this edgy and we got to appeal to the younger people. Let's make it flashy. Let's make it over the top. Let's bring in celebrity guests. Let's have some kind of famous designer make our jerseys look like ketchup and mustard and mayonnaise. I mean, okay, cool. So here's the thing. You know you've gone and done it when starting this off, Sal says, I don't even want to watch it. When Sal says he doesn't want to watch an all-star game, you know you've gone and done it. I mean, that's really all I have to say about that. Well, I was saying it for two reasons. One is because there's no Blackhawk in this game. So when you say you don't have a dog in the fight, I don't have a dog in this fight. The other Who would you put in instead of Bedard? On the Blackhawks? As a Hawks fan. If you had I to mean, put somebody from the team, who would you put in? Well, I mean, Seth Jones has been injured. He's been back. But, I mean, Jones is kind of like an easy, obvious choice. Or I think Dickinson's been uh, getting a lot of goals lately. I think he or Kurashev lead the team in goals. Bedard still has the lead in points, even though he's been injured for, like, a couple of weeks. But he's still that far up. But, you know, pick somebody who's been playing well. I mean, it's... Who is the star on the team? Like, okay, so the star is injured. Who's the next star? You know what I mean? There's always somebody who steps up and pulls the slack. I mean, Mrazic's been okay, but, I mean, there's way better goaltenders that need to be picked and put in the game, and and they were. But, like, yeah, I mean, that's kind of, like, where my mind is. Like, Seth Jones would be okay because he's a solid player. I mean, Connor Murphy is an unsung hero on the team. He logs a lot of minutes. He doesn't put up the points though. And he's not, he's not Seth Jones. You know what I mean? So, and, and I know those seem like kind of weak answers. That's just me off the top of my head without me like looking up any stats. I like the Kershev pick. Yeah. And if you went with Kershev, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. If you I had mean, to send somebody, he's got 23 points. He's got 15 assists and eight goals. So of okay. all the guys on the team, you got Dickinson and Bedard, who are the goal scorers, but from there it kind of plummets. Yeah, it was kind of rumored that Dickinson would be the fill-in. And a lot of times you had that where, like, when a player was injured, they would pull somebody from his team, and sometimes you'd get guys that were like, yeah, okay, maybe they're not really, like, someone you'd think of as an all-star. But that, and I like the skills competition when everybody gets to participate. And I think that's okay because you know what? You look at like Connor McDavid and say, all right, what's he going to, what would you have him do? You'd have him do fastest skater. You'd have him do um, maybe accuracy shooting, maybe not the hardest shot, right? Does he have a hard shot? Of course, but the hardest shot? No. I mean, I look at this list and I'd say, okay, some of these guys, I know they could shoot the puck 
as hard, if not harder, right? Like Sidney Crosby, Sid is fast. I don't know if I'd have him do fastest skater anymore. Hell yeah, I'd have him do accuracy shooting. I'd have him do like any sort of rapid fire kind of thing, any sort of breakaway challenge. You know what I mean? Like there's certain guys that you look at and you say, yeah, they'd be perfect for this. I would think like the D-men, you'd have them do like the hardest shot. And sometimes accuracy shooting, you know, I mean, Kale McCarr, he's freaking awesome. He could probably do any of these, right? But I think it was kind of good when it was like, well, all right, we can only use this guy in two or three events. So which two or three are we going to put him in? You know what I mean? You try to spread the talent around in a way that makes sense. But back to your your Crosby point. Sidney Crosby is having a unbelievable season and he's old as crap and he's still showing that he can play as well if not better than most of the players in the league That's he's showing people he's up here. night in and night out and he gets to go to an all-star game again and you don't even try to showcase him the guy that was like the face of your league for 20 years you're not even gonna put him out there it's dumb like last year was great. Remember they had Crosby and Ovechkin on the same line. And it was just like they were just playing with people. I mean, yeah, it's an all-star game, so nobody's trying super hard. But good lord. It was just like tic tac, tic tac, tic tac, back and forth. It was like I, I'm I'm just gonna stand here because whatever happens, happens. I mean the passing was that. insane. Yeah, uh, when those two are on that line, it was ridiculous. Yeah. You're not gonna have that this year, so he's gonna have to find somebody else to play with. But, you know, not having him in the skills competition, come on, give me a break. Yeah, it's that's just... exactly it. That's exactly right. Not having him in the skills competition. It, I know it, I'm a homer and everything, but still, come on. There's so many good players that I'm looking at on this list that are not in the skills competition. So one thing I want to point out, though, I know I said this earlier when I mentioned the, the teams and the colors and the celebrity captain or coach or whatever they're calling them. Uh, I think it's cool that they put the uh, the Hughes brothers together on the same team. I thought that was a nice touch. Like, you know, for the other teams, I thought it was kind of lame. Like, OK, you're putting Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr together on the same all-star team. Guess what? They play together all the time. Oh, you're putting... Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the same all-star team. Guess what? They play together all the time. Yeah, Mix it up. New. Break what it up. to see them play against each other, I think. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You want something that people will watch? Yeah. Splits teammates. Make them play yeah. against each other. Remember oh. when they split apart the Sedin twins? When they did the fantasy yeah. draft and they played on separate teams? They look lost. Without that, each other. But it was still funny. I mean, it's supposed to be fun. Fun in games, right? It was funny. But I, I like the fact that the two brothers that play on different teams get to play together. That's just cool, you know. But I think it'd, it'd be cool to see, you know, what would it be like if Dreisaitl played with Matthews? That'd be interesting. But maybe they're trying to get some chemistry going here, right? Because it's a three-on-three -three game. So you want to have some guys that have kind of played together. Although I think it's kind of neat to see what happens because you brought up Crosby and Ovechkin playing together. And yeah, now I remember all that ridiculous passing that they did. But another thing that stood out to me was Kirill Kaprizov and Alex Dabrinkit playing on the same line together. And they were good. 
I don't remember what they got statistically, but they just looked so freaking good together. And I remember watching that and saying, uh, I wish there were like less teams in the league. So like we'd have more talented players per team. Well, if you could get salary caps to go up, you might be able to pull that off. But unfortunately, we're stuck. They got a million dollar increase next year, which maybe gets you a player or two, but you know. Lots of league parity. That's why we see teams in and out of the playoffs on an annual basis. It's not like a juggernaut for 10 years straight and then before they get knocked off. It's it's like we don't see these cycles as often anymore because everybody's stretched out. You got one or two superstars on a team, and then you got to stretch that dollar to fill in the rest of the holes. So I don't think we could ever have a team like this. No, and that's what makes it fun. Is yeah. that we get these elite players? Yeah, because it's together. a what if, it's the what if scenario. Yeah, what if these guys could actually play together? Yeah, like I said, I think the biggest highlight for me is, you know, yeah, I'm gonna watch the skills. I'll watch the game. It is what it is. But I really want to watch the PWHL three on three. I think that's going to be an underrated event. All right. Well, any last thoughts before we tie a bow on this one and wrap it up? I don't know. I don't ever say anything productive. So. No, it's interesting how like the All Star Game is this like really love hate thing, and maybe this year will be a formula that they can tinker with next year and make it better. My hope is that it gets better every year, but it doesn't seem that way. It seems like they always blow it up and start over, but whatever. Yeah, there's no consistency. Yeah, it's not consistent, no. and that bothers me. But whatever, I'm still you know thinking like, hey, maybe they should bring back East West or something, you know, just because it's old but it's new again to people, you know. Team North America versus the red china khl team let's watch that the kunlun dragons i yeah, will I... take the over on a 90 to nothing score well i don't know is mike keenan still coaching that chinese team because know. uh no idea. then they might have a chance and they'll just go out and break everybody's ankles that's right okay thank you for listening to the puck junk hockey podcast as always if you've enjoyed the show please be sure to like and subscribe please be sure to tell your friends. Get a moment, write us a review on whichever platform you're listening to this show on. If you're feeling generous, support the show by buying a t-shirt at shop.puckjunk.com. And until next time, collect what you like. For more hockey goodness, follow us on Twitter at Puck Junk.